0: Hello and welcome back to True Crime Guys Podcast. I'm Michael. And I'm
1: Andy. Welcome back, Andy. I'm glad to have you here, brother. I'm still kicking, man. I still got <laughs> still got nine good fingers to work yeah. with.
0: Hey, that's all we need. You don't need any fingers in podcasting. That's a beautiful no, a beautiful like, thing.
1: I, know, I can not think of that Sons of Anarchy character only has the two fingers left. He's like, <laughs> I got two. That's all you need to I type got with. Two.
0: That's it. That's it. But guys, we are back from our Patreon exclusive last week where we covered Eldon Samuel, the zombie killer. If that's not enough intrigue to get you to check it out, I don't know what will. Um, And we're also back on YouTube, so if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, make sure you hit that notification button so you will know when new episodes drop every single Wednesday. Um, As well as new episodes of Strange and Unexplained every single Monday, okay? Also please consider checking out patreon.com slash Uh, It is the wheels of the podcast right now, guys. That's a great way to help the show and support what we do here at True Crime Guys. We appreciate it very much. Mm-hmm. I also want to give a quick announcement about our uh, recent episode of Headlines and Shenanigans last week, if you guys haven't heard. Uh, we talked about Danny Masterson of that 70s show fame, as well as Fleece Johnson uh, from the Boondocks. Uh, oh, well, for, <laughs> actually, from life, from real-life <laughs> fame, from, uh, and then from yeah, the Boondocks. Yeah. <laughs> from real-life infamy
1: to yeah, fictional yes, infamy. Yes,
0: um, Two unignorable stories in the headlines this past week. Um, again, that is available in video form on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. But this week, um, just a fair warning, another warning, we do have violence towards children again. Um, this just so happens to be... These these cases, I didn't realize that so many of them had so many young victims, especially the Eldon Samuel case that we yeah. covered last week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at first glance, sometimes all of that doesn't become clear. But either way, here we are. This week, we're covering uh, Katie Coleman. Katie Coleman. Uh, a strange case. There's a lot of twists and turns in this case. And uh, I think you guys, I think you guys are going to find it quite interesting. And there's not a lot out there about Katie right now. Another reason we decided to, to cover this case. Guys, we're trying to, we're trying to be, trying to be on the current, on the up and up in true crimes. We can be your source for what's out there, what's coming down the pipe and whatnot. So. So just to kind of set the scene here, in January of 2005, in the town of Crothersville, Indiana, 10-year-old Katie Coleman disappeared after going to her local dollar store, which was a Dollar General, uh, which was only a short distance from her home. Now, this was pretty routine for Katie, uh, and her mother felt pretty good about it as well because Cuthersville was a small town with low crime rates where neighbors typically looked out for each other. But despite the community's best efforts to find her, Katie never returned home that afternoon. Alright guys, so you know it's never a good sign when we start the episode with the body being found already. Um, But this case has so many twists and turns that it just makes sense. Young Katie's body was discovered five days later in a creek in the Cypress Lake area approximately 19 miles from her home. Her hands were found tied behind her back with a slip knot, which is a knot that tightens the more you try to pull and struggle. And reports confirmed that Katie died by drowning, and there was also signs that she was sexually assaulted before being thrown into the creek. So, let's back up to the morning that Katie disappeared. That was a Tuesday, January 25, 2005. Ten-year-old Katie Coleman began her day following her usual routine, which included breakfast with her family before heading off to school. She was in an especially good mood this week because she had a sleepover plan the very next day with some of her best friends from school but the day went on without much excitement until the school bell rang at 2 30 signaling the end of class katie arrived home around 3 pm and spent some time with her mother who was making dinner sometime during their conversation katie's mom mentioned that they were running low on toilet paper and needed to get some soon so, eager to help out as always, and of course, to grasp any straw of independence at that age, right? Katie immediately volunteered to go to the store. Now, my, I, I can relate to this. My son is 14, and he already wants to drive. He's like, Dad, can I, can I drive on the property? Can I drive?
1: Can I get out of the <laughs> just, barn? Just, 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 can just, I just hold
0: on a second, okay? <laughs> but Katie left her house and walked down the familiar path towards the Dollar General store, and it was only a block and a half away. And remember, this was nothing new for Katie. Like I said, she had made this trip down to the store countless times. And Crothersville was the kind of place where doors were unlocked at night. Children roamed freely. This was no big deal. However, unbeknownst to anyone, this false sense of peace was about to be shattered in the most devastating way imaginable. When a 911 call came in from Katie's father. County Sheriff's Department.
1: How can I help you, please? Yes, ma'am. I need to report my daughter missing. Is she missing or did she run away? No, she's missing. And what was she wearing? She had on a light blue uh, coat, black pants and white stripes. Okay.
0: So after making the call, Katie's parents, they tried to retrace her steps to the best they could. And they confirmed that she had purchased toilet paper at the Dollar General and left the store and began walking home at around 3.40 p.m. Now, several neighbors in the area reported seeing Katie around 4 p.m. walking along the train tracks towards her house. Now, based on this information, Katie should have arrived home just shortly after 4. Now, despite her absence, her mom really wasn't that worried because Katie often stopped to chat with friends along the way and it wasn't really unusual for her to play around a little before returning home.
1: It is like a, it's a weird thing to think of in this day and age now, yeah. like just to send your 10 year old down to the store, you know, how many you know miles blocks away right, and then right. for them not to come right back and to not have their phone and be like, where are you at? Where are you at? It's, yeah, it's such exactly. a crazy thing now as parents, but this was not so uncommon. It's it's, no, it's really.
0: I mean, and there's still, there's plenty, there's plenty of small town America, you know, mm-hmm. where there are certain areas even here in my hometown, um, that I've, I've, feel like i'm safer you know like you have that illusion of safety right because you feel like you know more people you grew up there you've been around that area so many times without anything happening but it really only takes once Mm -hmm. it only takes once and only it only takes one wrong person being the wrong place wrong time but six o'clock eventually rolled around and there was still no sign of katie but her mom was still not that concerned and (laughs) let me tell you why she said that sometimes a family member would often take Katie to the mall if they happened to pass her or saw her walking to the shop. Okay, hell no. No. <laughs> I don't care, family member or not. I don't care if my own dad picks up my kids without me knowing, I'm going to be
1: pissed. Yeah, it's like that's just, especially back in the day when there was no, no cell phones, there's no way to like let your parents mm-hmm. know. Because, like, you know, it's like, hey, hey, honey, how are you? Oh, I was supposed to go to the Dollar General and get some toilet paper. Ah. Huh. You wanna go shopping with me instead? Right. Sure, your parents aren't gonna be worried about that. They aren't (laughs)
0: gonna think a thing about it. I gotta run several
1: errands today. Come on, I could use the company.
0: Exactly, yeah, no way, man, no way. If I don't know where my kids are, that's a problem. That is a problem. However, when 7 p.m. arrived, and they still hadn't heard from Katie or anyone who was supposed to have been with her, the family grew pretty worried and began making calls to see if anyone had seen her. And with no luck, they finally decided to call the police. Now, initially, the police were hesitant to declare Katie missing. You know, they live in the same small town too, right? This is not a normal occurrence. They believe that she might have been at a friend's house or possibly ran away. Um, kidnappings
1: were extremely rare in this area, so they fully expected Katie to return. It's like when cops, like a serial killer comes on the edge, like are saying that like we want to, we don't want to talk, we don't want to acknowledge that that we never have that. It's like kidnapping crime was so small, like so rare in yes. this area. They were like. I mean, no, no kids actually go missing. Come on. Like, look at her. Like, there's a kid right there. I know his yep. parents. It's, it's just strange.
0: It is. It is. But regardless of all that, the community and her parents still suspected foul play. So they knew at this point something was not right. Katie wasn't the type to run away, and it was unusual for her to be out so late. In response, the community organized a search party of, of over 120 people and began looking for Katie. So after searching for 18 hours with no leads, the police realized that Katie wasn't just at a friend's
1: place. They officially declared her missing and devoted all available resources to the case. That is a big group of people to gather in that short amount of time back then. It too. really like, is.
0: Well, they were a tight knit community though. Yeah, it, it
1: does. It does a test like as a testament to the strength of the community and how tight knit well, that place was. To right. gather that many people for a ten year old girl or whatever, in, in like how many many hours? Like six hours almost to be like. Yeah. That's no Facebook. That's no texting. That's phone calls. That's running them, banging call- on doors. Yeah,
0: that's exactly right. But this is huge news for this mm-hmm. community. This is drop what you're doing. Let's find Katie news for this type of community. Um, And two days later, their persistence paid off. A neighbor contacted the police claiming to have seen Katie riding in the passenger seat of a white Ford F-150 pickup truck between the hours of 4.30 and 5 o'clock. Now, the witness couldn't identify the driver but was absolutely certain that Katie was in that passenger seat. According to the witness, the driver was a white male between the age of 18 and 22 and had a slender build. Now a composite a composite image of the suspect was created and the public was urged to provide any relevant information
1: to the police. Got it. If you and see that that sketch, it is it's hard to be like, Oh, this is somebody I know. It's the most generic <laughs> it's generic, right? It's like the most generic it's, digitally created face. It's not right. even hand drawn, so you don't even have like the pencil shadings. It's just Yes, that is white male, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we know that guy. <laughs> we know that uh, man. Um, the problem is who doesn't, right? Um, But in the meantime, the police conducted a thorough search of records for all owners of a white Ford F-150 living in the vicinity at the time and then cross-referencing this list with registered sex offenders, which makes sense, right? Each individual on this combined list was visited by the police. Where they were required to provide a statement and a satisfactory alibi. Imagine not. Imagine having a white F-150 being a sex offender and not having an alibi for this.
1: Isn't this in like? Is this Indiana, that is, right? That is bad news. Yeah. This is rural Indiana, and mm-hmm. being like, everybody with a white F-150 and just the, the <laughs> printer just. It's like, shit. It's like a grocery receipt. It's like a CVS receipt or something. Yeah. Right.
0: Seriously. But however, once again, there were no promising leads. From from checking out all of these the pedophiles that owned F-150s, uh, in a plea to the person responsible for Katie's abduction, her family urged them to release her and allow her to return home safely. Five days after Katie Coleman was reported missing on January 30th, 2005, a state trooper made the decision to search the Cypress Lake area again, approximately 19 miles from Katie's residence. Now this location had gained notoriety, attracting individuals involved in illegal drug activities and all sorts of things. So as soon as the trooper arrived at the lake, he noticed an object floating near a culvert. Upon closer examination, he recognized it was Katie's blue jacket. His worst fears were confirmed when he approached and discovered Katie's lifeless body face down in the water with her hands tied behind her back. Now, this scene was tragic and brutal and no doubt leaving a lasting impact on the small town officer who found her. And the news of Katie's murder sent shockwaves throughout the community of Crothersville, forcing residents to confront the horrifying reality that a murderer still lived among them. Yeah. Authorities believed that the killer must have been a local, as the location where Katie's body was found was pretty remote and primarily only known to those familiar with the area. The police investigated numerous individuals and pursued countless leads in their search for a breakthrough. However, despite their efforts, they were unable to make any progress. But then, unexpectedly, on the third day following the discovery of Katie's body, a person came forward and confessed to the murder of Katie Coleman, turning the
1: entire case upside down. That's always the police is like, that's just the the, the luck of the draw. They're like, oh my Uh, God. Yeah, you just came in, we didn't have to do anything. This is, yes, wonderful, thank you so much. This uh, makes our day so much easier. Can we just go ahead and
0: arrest this guy and throw him in prison? This is great,
1: thank you. No no, no, no further
0: questions, right? That's right, no further questions. (laughs) Unfortunately not. Oh Yeah, Uh, there's always a follow-up question. There is always, but let's learn about this fellow that came forward, right? So on February 2nd, 2005, Chucky Hickman walked into the Indiana Police Department and admitted that he was responsible for Katie's murder. Now, Chucky is a 20-year-old resident of Crothersville, so it fits the the age, right? They said Mm -hmm. 18 to 22, he's right in the middle, and had a reputation as an, an eccentric fella, and was also known to be addicted to methamphetamine. That's that's definitely a rural term right there. Usually a southern. That's a way to say that somebody is is weird and off their rocker, right? That's what they say. In the, well, he's an eccentric fella. He's eccentric. He, he's a little. How you say eccentric? <laughs> he's a. <laughs> when a southern person calls you eccentric, that is not a good deal. It's not a compliment. Uh, it's a... That is not a compliment. It's kind of like a bless your heart type of deal. Um, but yeah, Chucky was an eccentric fella, I guess, here in rural Indiana. Uh, According to Chucky, he and his friend were at an apartment building where Katie had stopped to visit one of her friends after leaving the Dollar General. Apparently, Katie saw Chucky and his friend uh, making meth or doing meth or something to do with meth. Either way, they were worried that Katie might expose their drug activities, right? So they decided to frighten her into silence. They then tied her up, drove her to the lake where the unfortunate incident occurred and where Katie Apparently slipped and drowned in the water. According yeah,
1: that's, to Chucky, uh, that's always well. We bound her hands. We took her to this this remote body of water, and then she fell in <sighs> and drowned. And she just fell in. I mean, we couldn't do anything to help her. I mean, right? It, yeah, it's always I, the greatest. Thing. She she fell in. That, okay, right. It, it just doesn't make any sense. Okay, well, if you
0: just wanted to scare her, why didn't you? Jump in and get her and yeah. untire. Like, but regardless, this shocking revelation left the small community of Crothersville in disbelief, to say the least. They they didn't. They did though. Take solace in knowing that the killer had finally been apprehended. Isn't that a nice ending, Andy? That's, As like I said, no further questions. That's Your Honor. it. Uh, that's no follow-up questions.
1: It.
0: Yeah, um, except uh, they were still testing the DNA at the crime scene. Right. There yeah. was there was some of that. There's that. There. So let's let's check with the DNA, let's just make sure everything tracks, you know. Uh, so just a short time after Chucky's confession, the crime lab had just finished up the analysis of the DNA samples taken from Katie's body and the rest of the crime scene. Now, despite being immersed in water for five days, the freezing temperatures of the lake actually managed to preserve the DNA evidence on Katie's body, yeah, this is instead Janu- of diluting it.
1: Yeah, January 25th, mid- yes. middle of Indiana, I'm sure it's a bit chilly right now.
0: Yes, and let me tell you what was found. Traces of semen were discovered on the body, indicating, like I referenced earlier, that she had been sexually assaulted before thrown into the water. Now here's the even crazier part. When the DNA found on Katie's body was compared to a sample taken from Chucky e. Hickman, guess what, Andy?
1: Uh, there's probably a further questions, here, isn't uh, there? There
0: is further questions. It did not match at all. Oh God. And yeah, so they pretty much were like, "Okay, you got some serious problems, but you're not involved in this." Like,
1: yeah, they had to give a they had to come out. in... And... out of all the
0: cases to come forward about? Why would you come forward? That the, 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 there's nothing more that I could find on Chucky e. Hickman. It's... How is he involved, Andy?
1: It seems like hell? it's like almost like he's trying to get away or he's trying to he's either protecting somebody or he's trying to either go uh, into prison to hide from somebody. But it's like, that's what I'm saying. why Maybe, would you confess to this well, crime? Prison is cheaper than rehab. I mean, yes, to an extent. Yes. <laughs> I mean, they pay for you in prison. Maybe I mean, he's yeah. had enough of the methamphetamines.
0: Yeah. To go uh, to prison
1: as a to confess but to mean, being God. a child killer
0: being a child killer in prison that can't be that can't be a good way to go about it
1: no why would you that was not a crime you'd want to confess to especially if it's it's
0: something you had nothing to do with
1: right so
0: the police began questioning everyone associated with hickman thinking that you know maybe he was involved in some way he just wasn't there on the lake that day or or whatever who's this friend
1: Um, he was making meth with yeah exactly who is who is this guy exactly
0: Um, So what they did was they got DNA samples from any of Hickman's friends as well as any other individuals who were at the apartment complex that day. Now, frustratingly enough, these samples also failed to match the DNA, leaving the police no closer to the truth. But what they did know was that Charles Chucky Hickman's confessions
1: and incriminating statements are all bullshit. What the hell? It's a great thing. Like it's always, or not a great thing. It's just always a, like a weird thing when the police have to come back out and be like, "Yeah, the guy who walked in the door and confessed like to this really heinous crime. Yeah, who he, actually fits the bill pretty correctly. He, and yeah, he
0: kind of matched the composite enough. I think yeah, he, he could was have close had, enough. He could have had
1: his hair pulled back at the yeah, time.
0: Yeah, he was close enough, and then he, the age was spot on. But, you know, nobody questioned whether or not he had access to an F-150 or a white F-150. Maybe he had one of those, too. I, I don't know. Like like Andy said, it, it, a white F-150 is a popular truck. Yeah, man. that could have been a, a, mean, a truck you God.
1: borrowed, a work every, truck or something. I was
0: about to say, every work fleet truck, God, in America, every other one's an F-150. So, yeah, it's, the possibility is high, but I just don't get why you would why you would want to claim this case. That just doesn't make any sense to me. So, with no breakthrough from testing Chucky e and all his buddies, the police decided to reevaluate the evidence from Cypress Lake to see if there were any potential matches to the DNA sample found on Katie's body. Now, this laborious task involved sifting through hundreds of samples. However, their efforts paid off when they finally discovered a match near the edge of the lake. Just a few yards away from where Katie's body had been found, there was a discarded cigarette butt. Okay. Ooh, right there. I, That's right. The cigarette butts, man, they get more people than you think. They do, man. They Nobody get a lot of people, that. man. You're, Nobody you thinks gotta, about the butts. Man. Listen, you out here, you out here committing crimes. You gotta throw them cigarette butts in proper disposal yeah. disposal areas, right? <laughs> they them. don't say that for for everyone else's protection. It's also for yours. Uh, <laughs> but the DNA found on the cigarette butt was an exact match to the DNA discovered on Katie's body. Upon closer examination of the cigarette, but it turned out to be a rarely used brand as well, known as Rogers 100 cigarettes, uh, which wasn't widely
1: popular at the time. No, I'd never seen this brand before never. and I used to smoke and it's just I
0: may have seen like them like where you could buy the tobacco in bulk at a smoke shop, but I don't think I've ever seen like cigarette packs of Rogers.
1: No, it's, it's just of... like it's a very like just kind of plain pack, so it, yeah. Yeah, I don't
0: remember ever seeing those. Yeah. Now, because the cigarettes were so rare, the police thought that you know they could identify smokers who use this brand, then they could narrow down their list of suspects considerably. Uh, how how would they do this, Andy? Uh, maybe like a townwide cigarette. Survey? I guess yes, yeah, so you got to contact
1: every place that sells cigarettes. It's like, right, what's right. your pop- most popular brand? Yeah. What do you sell the most of? What do you sell the least of? Would you carry? Right? Can I get two of those? Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> you know everyone this cop is also smoking at this time. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. How do you do a survey to figure out like we have to get you have to get a lot of sales records real quick.
0: <laughs> so what? Well, exactly. So what they did was just that. They hit the ground. They did some old detective work. They decided to visit all the stores within a fifty mile radius of Cypress Lake, and they soon learned that only four locations sold Roger's cigarettes. That narrows it down a shit ton. That does because you know host- cigarette smokers typically buy from a place close to their home. Everybody knows that. And they are consistent. They are they consistent. A brand,
1: but that also does does attest to the ruralness of this community to be like, there's only this many stores in a fifty mile radius.
0: Yeah, that have Rogers.
1: That well that even sold the cigarettes. That's what I'm saying. They only have Rogers four, cigarettes. Only four yeah. in that radius sold them. But like even in a fifty mile radius, they were like, There's not that even that many stores that sell these. No. Like that's how many that was how many few stores there were around there. Exactly. Right
0: Exactly. So detectives wasted no time visiting these establish- establishments uh, using store owners to contact them if anyone purchased that particular brand. Uh, less than a week later, an employee from one of the stores made the call. A customer had just bought a carton of Rogers cigarettes. A whole carton, okay? So they're a big fan. And this individual was driving a white Ford F-150 pickup truck. Coincidence? I think not. The same vehicle that the witness claimed to have seen Katie in. So the store employee also provided the police with the vehicle's plate number. And when they ran the plates, guess what name came up? Anthony Stockelman. So not Chucky? It's not Chucky. Damn. It is not
1: Chucky. By the way, and props- as far as we know, this guy's not connected to Chucky either. Props to this gas station employee to be like, to be like, this like I said, guy that- came in, got a carton yeah. of these things. I saw the truck. I got the license plate. I got it ready me, for you right here.
0: Let me tell you, that is the disadvantage. And that's also the security built in around a small town hmm Because small towns people ain't got nothing better going on. And when a crime like this happens, everybody's paying attention. Everybody knows about it. Everybody's talking about it. And everyone's looking out to try to solve it because they all live in this close-knit community, right?
1: Everybody wants to be a hero. It's everybody not wants like, to help the community. Right. It's
0: not like New York or L.A. or whatever. Everybody's minding their own business going about. If it doesn't happen in their little tiny neighborhood, they're not concerned. In this area, a 50-mile radius, even people were still knew mm-hmm. about this tragedy. So, yeah, it's kind of hard to run from it in a small town. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Anthony Stockelman here. Stockelman was a 40-year-old factory worker who lived approximately 15 miles north of crothersville His life appeared ordinary. Well, he was married with kids. Uh, So whatever that means nowadays.
1: He was just a standard Midwestern uh, blue-collar. I was about to say,
0: you listen to true crime, married with kids means absolutely nothing. BTK was married with kids. What what are you saying? Um, But the police had already questioned Stockelman after witnesses placed him in the vicinity on the day that Katie disappeared. But during his interview, Stockelman admitted to seeing Katie along the railway tracks that day, but claimed that he didn't know her whereabouts. And the officer who conducted the interview concluded that there was nothing noteworthy about Stockelman, believing him to be an unlikely suspect. And to be fair to the officer, Stockelman had no criminal record, no inclination towards violence, and no predilection towards children. Um, in the eyes of the police, he appeared to be happily married and dedicated to raising his own kids with, you know, like I said, with no history of crime what- whatsoever. mm mm-hmm. um, but Stockelman made efforts to prove his innocence, including an attempted polygraph test where the results were inconclusive. Um, this is kind of funny. Due to having worked the graveyard shift the previous night, Stockelman kept falling asleep
1: during the test, rendering it incomplete. <laughs> I yeah, I, you're, we have your I results mean, here, and not, are you? wake up. Hold on. Your results are drowsy. You need to take. You need to get out of here. How about a cup of coffee? Listen, how do you
0: pass a test? That you are so calm for that you fall asleep. Yeah, that's it. He
1: volunteered. He for was this so too. calm. Yeah, he, he, he volunteered this polygraph. He goes, I'll take a polygraph test. And you're like, Yeah, you yawning during this? What? No. Huh? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah.
0: The uh, the polygraph tester actually wanted to do another test, but the rescheduling never took place, and for good for good reason. I mean, the police had enough, right? And they weren't done with Stockelman anyways, so they returned to his residence for another round of questioning. And once again, he consistently denied any involvement in Katie's disappearance and claimed that he hadn't even gone to Cypress Lake in the last 10 years. Mm. That is a bold statement, Stockelman, when we just, we have somebody that put you there.
1: Well, we have somebody that put you in, sh- in uh, not Charlottesville. Oh but, yeah, uh, that's in, true, not at the lake. Yes, yeah, but it's like, yeah. that lake is not that far away. It's a, this is a 15, mi- you lived 15 miles from the town. Yeah. That lake was only 19, 19 miles. So it's that's like, that's correct. And you haven't even probably been probably in the same direction, if I had to guess. Yeah. It's like, you haven't even been, you yeah. haven't been 19 miles from your home in 10 years. You haven't been years? four miles from
0: your home. It's probably most likely four miles. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, like, you
1: haven't gone more than 20 miles from your home in 10 years, like in a, in a radius. Like, so
0: yeah. Everybody knows that the fish don't bite at Cypress Lake, Andy. Been there in 10 years. <laughs>
1: That's where all but, the druggies hang out. That's right.
0: <laughs> but uh, not only did he did he claim he hadn't been to the lake in 10 years, he provided an alibi for the day that Katie went missing, which his wife confirmed and, of course, was the only one who could have confirmed it. Um, and we have no idea what that alibi was, but who cares? Because the police weren't buying it. And, and also, you know, DNA. Yeah, that's the big thing. Can we get you? DNA? DNA? though, which the police did collect from Stockelman for analysis. They had more than enough reason for a warrant for his DNA. And a few days later, the results were in and guess what, Andy, they confirmed an exact match to the samples collected from the cigarette butt and Katie's body. This is what we call dead in the water here, Andy. Uh, Yeah, a little Mm -hmm. bit. I mean, yes, sir. And based on this evidence, the police arrested Anthony Stockelman and obtained a search warrant for his truck. Now, the police collected DNA swabs from his truck um, all over the place. The doors, the ashtray, the handles, steering wheel, uh, multiple cigarette butts that were found inside. And through this process, they were able to confirm that Katie Coleman had indeed been in the F-150. And the only other DNA they found belonged to Stockelman himself, proving that he acted
1: alone. That still that just blows my mind more about Chucky, about coming out and confessing to this I'm crime. Telling to like, you, I, was I was fully expected with a friend. Yeah, yeah, I
0: was fully expected for Chucky to be in that truck and maybe he held her during the thing and he was feeling guilty and maybe Stockelman like threatened his life and was mm-hmm. like if you don't take the blame for this I'll kill you. I, like I was expecting something but Chucky is never mentioned again in this story. No, he's never mentioned again in this case.
1: It's, it's so weird. Yeah, it blows my mind that you would you would volunteer yourself if, because if what if they had just bought that confession? Yeah, like there's so there is a there is a not a not that big of a chance, but there's not that small of a chance either. They just take that confession. Oh and go. man,
0: they could have in mm-hmm. this small town. They could have swept that under the rug and you'd never hear anything about it, and it'd go in the books, and Chucky would forever be the person that killed Katie. And it's just, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, like we said, he thank fit God the bill. for doing like, the police work, just, just going through the motions, matching everything, right? The
1: town would have believed it too. Like he looked The town like the, accepted
0: it. He looked when he like came the, he
1: looked like the type of person they thought would do this. An
0: eccentric fella.
1: Yeah, long hair, mm-hmm. a guilt, like known criminal record with methamphetamines mm-hmm. and looks all creepy and stuff to an extent. Yep. So it's like, yeah, they were like, yep, ah, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Yep. And they pretty much had Stockelman
0: dead in the water, but just for shits and giggles they they also took the DNA samples from the rope used to restrain Katie. And fortunately, like I mentioned earlier, the frigid temperatures of the water preserved most of it. The ropes still retained traces of Stockelman's DNA, ultimately confirming his involvement in tying up Katie too. The pieces were really coming together. I mean, almost like a puzzle that does itself. Uh, but not only did they possess Stockelman's DNA on Katie's body. Uh, they provided proof of his sexual assault, and they also discovered his DNA on the rope, solidifying his role as the one who restrained her and threw her into the water. So it's pretty much cut and dry now. Moreover, uh, the presence of the cigarette butt on the lake shore suggested that Stockelman stood
1: by and watched Katie drown. That's one thing that I thought, too, because I, I thought that one of two ways. It's either you stood there and watched and smoked a cigarette, or it's the, I smoked a cigarette to try and calm my nerves after, after. it happened and just either was in like the shock and just, just threw it away. Either so way, like, Andy, it was found feet from where her body was yeah, it's like either way, up in you the you culvert. Just, you just stood right there you stood right and there. looked at the body. Yes. So it's like either you did it while yes. she's dying that is or correct. you did it after she's dead. Either way, you didn't You didn't like push her in and run away. It wasn't like, a, oh, she fell and I wasn't there. You were right no.
0: there the whole time. And that also goes to show how little people go to this lake and use it. I mean, the fact that he that all this was able to happen, he had time to, to throw her in the water and, you know, watch her body while he smoked an entire cigarette. I mean I mean, I don't know, maybe a couple of drags and he's done with it. I, I don't know. This guy sounded like a chain smoker as much as he was going to get in these Rogers, but still yeah, it's I mean, just it's so dark, especially for someone with no history of crime, no, no history crim- yeah. of violence that we know
1: of. That we know of. That yeah, that is very true. He, this may have been the first time he got caught. That's all. That is correct. That is too. the
0: advantage of driving such a basic vehicle, like mm-hmm. a white Ford F one fifty. That sounds like the exact vehicle that a serial killer would drive, because they're like we said, they're everywhere.
1: But it also attests. Um, it also attests like the plannedness of this of a local person knowing that this lake would be very likely not to have people around right at, the to- at this time, because January, middle of January in Indiana. That's correct. This is a local man. is like, oh, I know nobody's gonna be there right now. Who may might- there they're just junkies no one's yep. gonna leave them so exactly yeah, it it, ch- it shows the planning of it. it shows the premeditation to it does. It Being like oh this wasn't just a spur of the moment this wasn't just a passion thing
0: no absolutely not and even even with all of this evidence pointing to Stockelman, he still declined to cooperate with the police and offer his version of events However, due to the substantial amount of evidence, the investigators were able to recover. The prosecution confidently presented a clear narrative of what happened that day. According to their account, Stockelman was in the process of packing his mother's belongings as she was preparing to move houses. Now, his mother's residence is right along the path that Katie would have taken on her way to that store. Officials strongly believe that Stockelman noticed Katie walking alone and enticed her into his mother's house taking advantage of the fact that no one else was present. I guess his mother was maybe probably already at the new residence setting mm-hmm. up the things that he was moving. I'm sure he was using his truck to to carry furniture and whatnot, and boxes to her new residence, and she's probably there putting things away, right?
1: That is your responsibility as a truck right. owner to help your friends move. <laughs> that's just the well, law and of your the land. Mama. And your mama. You're a truck owner. Uh, You're the guy they call. That's it's right. Just-
0: that's right. Um, so he basically had her house to himself during this time, Right. And like I said, the presence, there were presence of red fibers that were found on Katie's body, which further supported this theory as they matched the red rug that was located in the main bedroom of his mother's house. Prosecutors alleged that after assaulting her, Stockelman then drove Katie in his truck out of town heading towards Cypress Lake. And it was during this period that a witness reported seeing Katie in the white pickup truck. So when this witness saw her, she was tied
1: up. Yeah. And she was not in that truck willingly. No, no,
0: she was tied up and in the passenger side of this truck. I don't know if she was gagged, I don't know if she had anything in her mouth. The witness I'm sh- surely if the witness was able to identify that it was Katie to to that percent which they seemed completely sure. I think they would have noticed if something was in her mouth. Oh yeah. I mean, like as far as a gag, tape over her face, or or whatever it
1: was. You have to think this Um, is a a ten year old girl who's just. But she's terrified. She's just been assaulted. She is in shock. Yeah, she's she's in shock.
0: He probably didn't have to do much at this point. Like you've absolutely terrified her. Um, So upon reaching the lake, the prosecution claimed that Stockelman removed Katie from the truck and coerced her or carried her into the water. And that was that. And then he stood on the shore and smoked a cigarette. Anthony Stockelman was found guilty of raping and murdering Katie Coleman on April 17, 2005. He received a life sentence in prison without the possibility of parole. However... Stockelman's punishment did not end there. This is my favorite part of the story. Oh, Andy. this is not even I like, this love is it. so
1: much more than icing on a cake. This is street justice. This is like another justice. layer of cake on the cake. This is street justice. <laughs> I, we, I know we don't like to condone vigilantism or any yeah. kind of like taking the law into your own hands, but sometimes you just kind of go, oof, fist bump.
0: It's oh. so satisfying.
1: <laughs> it's so satisfying.
0: Shortly after being arrested, Stockelman found himself. Facing further consequences from his fellow inmates, because fate hmm. would have it that he ended up sharing a cell block with Katie's cousin, who was serving time for burglary.
1: You think that was pure fate? I've I've been thinking about that the more we. I like, think more it's I such a small town,
0: it, Andy, that you know everyone I, in this town goes in the same cell block because they don't have that many. No, he
1: was in the same cell. Uh, that's the thing. It's like, that's yeah. what I'm wondering. And like, do you think this was really fate that you ended up in the same cell as Katie's cousin? Or do you think maybe somebody <laughs> in this small well, town was like, hmm, yeah. you know, I think I know who you should bunk with.
0: Right. Well, I don't know. I don't know if he was in the same cell, but they definitely had free time where their cells were open. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he where could they get could go into go, his cell. He could get in there. Like I say, being in the same cell block when, you know, when it's not lights out or whatever, I guess they have time to move around. But Seizing an opportunity for revenge on September 22nd, 2006, Katie's cousin broke into Stockelman's cell, allegedly, and forcibly, he just broke into, I'm sure somebody let him in, forcibly tattooed the words, quote, Katie's revenge, right onto Stockelman's forehead. Um, and it's, yeah, yeah it's a I, popular picture. I'm sure it's yeah. on the screen right now. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's, it's um, neat.
1: It's like, it's not like, oh, it's, it's, it's written. It's great penmanship. It's, it's clear. It it's is very it's, clear. You can read every letter. And that's mm-hmm. the thing. It's like, was how did you get him it's, to hold still that long for it's that? It's not
0: some of that. Oh, some. that's what I'm saying, man. He had help.
1: Somebody yeah, held his
0: ass down. You're
1: not being able to hold a grown man down. Somebody held like, his ass down. And tattoo their forehead with that big a lettering just by, with just by yourself doing that. Like, no, it's no just way, not going to happen.
0: No way. But forever, Stockelman has this permanent mark to serve as a haunting reminder of his heinous deeds every single time he looks in the mirror. I don't know if he's had it covered up. Uh, I don't know if he wears a hat all the time, maybe a bandana, maybe a skull cap. I don't know. He, he needs something, right?
1: I uh, uh, I should have looked this up before we did this, but I wonder if this was possibly some of the inspiration for that the scene in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo mm. where the the like the counselor or the, the social worker... Uh, assaults the main character and then she gets back at him by tying him down and tattooing rapist pig across his chest. Mm. And then like, you know, it's like she's saying like, I'm gonna watch your internet so you do not ever get this removed.
0: I I think, you know, this has just been a a staple in society and revenge in the underworld for a long time. You know, you think all the way back to when, uh, you know, they would make women wear a letter A for adulter or or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like,
1: Branding somebody, scarring somebody,
0: scarring someone on their face. um, I mean, it it just goes way back. It's definitely a primitive practice, but in this sense, for this awful primitive crime that you've committed, he deserved it. Yeah, I think it's uh...
1: Like I said, it it's just seems so weird. It's You want to say fate or do you want to say somebody may have just That's what I'm saying. fell so asleep you, on the job we, or turned we, it back a little bit for, for a little <laughs> too while? I'm just, saying, I'm just saying it seems very convenient in this very small town. Yes. I, <laughs> hey,
0: again, the disadvantage of committing this crime in a small town because, <laughs> you know, I mean, how quickly did one of Katie's family members go to the prison to visit the cousin? When mm-hmm. this guy was arrested, how quickly did that happen? I would be visiting him the next day, be like, "Hey, so there's a guy about to be uh, checking in here."
1: Oh yeah, you, you yeah. know that guy was in that cousin in prison was mm-hmm. if he was already in prison or if he went to prison after this, like that's another thing. It's like I'm just gonna go and it's <laughs> I'm like, gonna commit a small enough crime already, to know where I'm going.
0: Oh, you're already in prison, and it's like I don't know. It's it it just made that it made him a legend. I'll tell you that. Like he went from. You know, being the the family fuck up to being the family hero, I yeah. think with that with that one little Being the family gesture. vigilante, the family yeah. Batman. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So there it is, guys. There it is, all tied up with a bow. I don't know what happened to Chucky. I don't know what's up with Chucky. I don't know if he's still doing meth or or <laughs> if he, he ever change? straightened that shit out. Um, somebody needs to have a long talk with him because he was very confused. And maybe, maybe you know, he was like, "Dude, did we get high on meth and kill this little girl?" I could you see know, yeah that's you know what a, I'm saying? Like he started freaking out so much where he was like, you know what, I'm just gonna turn myself in and see if I did it.
1: I bet I, I bet it was me. You know, we, I, I bet I it saw, was me. I, I had these bad trips thought think something. That? Oh my God, dude. I mean, man yeah. You gotta be sure. I mean, you see, you know, Rick James being like, cocaine's a hell of a drug. I mean, methamphetamine I mean, is a meth. hell of a drug. It, I mean, it is, <laughs>
0: man. It is. And we're facing an epidemic. Meth and opioids, it's worthy of like yeah, eight, eight seasons. It, yeah, for real. For real. Well, all right. So there you go, guys. There's a bow on uh, the Katie Coleman case. It is. It's a tough one. It really is. But it's nice to see that type of justice in society. It's nice to see someone get what they deserve. Um,
1: and to think if that and one the good of those police work too. too. Good police work. Yeah, like fucking hitting the hitting the pavement, just running, beating on doors, like yes. literally hitting every store. Mm-hmm. This was yeah. This was 2005. This was not a time where everybody had you know smartphones and good computers. And, no, no. This was a time where you it's, had to go out there, but I was, I was just like, this thing did kind of blow me away to think that, you know, it's, you want, you have to wonder if this was the only time this man did. This. It seems so calculated it's man, and moved it's a, and like, it seemed cal- like he'd done it before.
0: It's it, calculated. It's dark. It's like the, with the knot, performed the on knot, a child. Yeah. So many aspects of this case make me think it wasn't his first, his first act of violence, but it was his first on record. It was mm-hmm. his first on records. Because so. it
1: is it's such a more intimate way of of taking someone's life and it didn't seem like a first time. No. It to, to bind their hands and push them into a creek and watch them. It's right. yeah, it's so much more dark. So it's like you got to wonder, is this Maybe. the only time this guy's done something like this? And if not, fuck you, get that tattoo, get it bigger.
0: Yeah, for real. <laughs> get it touched up. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, hopefully that's our last uh violence with children case for a little while. We're going to take a little break from that. Next week, we're going to be back with some cult shit. Okay. We got a great cult case for you next week. We're excited to get back into that. Um, but for now, on this show, I think we need an antidote, Andy.
1: Yeah, I, I think, think we need a bit of a, a palate cleanser. We do. We need something, something a little lighter.
0: What do you got for us this week?
1: Well, Michael, I know during the uh, during the summer we had a few little run-ins with some big furry friends. We had to talk about a few stories, and we had a good little <laughs> run about the laws of those people and what kind are the laws uh-huh. of those creatures. Right. And right now, I think these laws are about to take effect. Uh because an Ohio man recently, he's bat- like it was like 4 days ago when this story came out, right. was charged for reporting a fake bear attack just so he could get out of the Kanawha County woods. And I don't, if you don't think that's bear crime uh- That is a bear crime. That is bear crime right there. That is falsely accusing
0: bears, man. That's trying to give bears a bad name. Seriously, their reputation. That is slander. Right, it is. They have a hard enough time at it right now. It's libel. Yes. (laughs) Nobody, nobody wants to hug bears. Nobody wants to do anything good for bears, and this is not helping.
1: Yeah, and it's about to be winter time. They, they, they need all the help they can get right now, guys. They gotta find yeah. some food. They gotta find some good shelter. Seriously, opens up some storage. People units, aren't guys. picnicking that much. There's not more picnic baskets. There's not. But the guys right here. It just made me giggle to think about this man who thought this was this was so, the way that you get out of the woods. And I mean, it. Let I'll give it okay, to him so Okay, so he far. was lost. He was lost, and I will give it to him. It worked. He got out of the woods. He's out. He did get out. But an Ohio man is being charged for falsely reporting an incident after claiming he had been attacked by a bear, allegedly in order to get help for himself to get out of the woods. According to a criminal complaint, the Kanahawa County Magistrate, Mm -hmm. first responders were called the early morning hours of Friday, September 22nd to assist a man lost in the woods. Dispatchers said the man claimed he was injured and stranded along a steep terrain. Mm-hmm. The dispatcher said, Well, on the phone with the man, he said, Please help me, calling out. And the man said that he was being attacked by a bear. Currently. Co- actively. Yeah. Like, like Leo DiCaprio. Yeah, everyone was the like Revenant. making bear noises. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: help!
1: Help! <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, not my picnic basket.
1: <laughs> Just breaking twigs. Boo, <laughs> boo. <laughs> 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 But the dispatcher said he was. The man was allegedly claimed that, the, that he had been walking for days and that his phone mm. was dying and that the bears were. And the bears. The bears. The bear
0: Oh, there's two were bears. Circling
1: him and he was oh, going to die. Bears. First it was a bear. Now there's bears circling you because obviously right. bears hunt in packs.
0: What um, are they? You know. Buzzard bears? Man, if it's multiple bears, they're not going to wait on
1: you to die. They're just going to kill you. If there's multiple bears getting around you, you're fucked. No, they're not. Man. <laughs> not buzzard you're a bears. dude. Yeah, they're not scavengers. And if your phone, if you've been walking for days in the woods and your phone is still dying, what kind of phone you got? I want that battery life. (laughs) But the man was later identified as Christian Leonhardt, 47, of Brecksville, Ohio deputies say that, that after several search and rescue groups responded attempting to locate Hart using emergency lights and yeah. sirens to scare away any bears and point the man towards their location uh-huh. authorities say they attempted to get a West Virginia State Police helicopter to assist in the search as well oh they, they were God. calling in no all wonder like, they arrested him we wasted so much money on your lion ass they all just saw cocaine bear this past summer but, I guess. they were ready they were like oh shit it's but happening also like couldn't he
0: call and just say I'm literally lost in the woods I need help you would think, and then not be arrested he just didn't want to while it was pride, he wanted the story to be that he got attacked by bears,
1: that he was running from bears, and, then and he, he was, got lost. Yeah, that's the thing. I was, I had to run from these bears, and I, I just didn't know where I was, and I got mm-hmm. lost. But that's the other thing. He's like, I've been walking it's like, for dude, days. Nobody
0: would know about this story if you just said you were lost.
1: Yeah, just be lost in the woods, dude. It yeah. happens all the time. Yeah, it happens every day. Right. <laughs> but uh, like I said, he claimed to have had a head injury. He said the bears were stalking him, and he had a head injury mm. that caused him to be continuously bleeding. Dispatchers say they advised That's him to good. apply pressure with his shirt if, his, as, if he was that bleeding that badly. They should mm-hmm. t- take take his shirt off and apply pressure with it. Right. And what do he say to that? Um, according to the complaint, after a two-hour search, Cruz finally found Leonhart because I guess the phone finally mm-hmm. went dead. Mm-hmm. But once they were at his location, he allegedly denied any medical treatment from any fire or EMS crews and uh, just wanted to ride out of the woods. Um so yeah, it was a first. You know what, I was, man, I
0: just want to put all this behind me. It's just been crazy. They're like, well, did he scratch you? You don't yeah. you don't look hurt? Or no, you know, I don't even want to press charges on the bear. I don't <laughs> want to even get wanna, out. Of here. I, I it. don't even want to talk about it. I don't even
1: want to talk about me and the bear, we talked it out actually. It's um, all good. It was a big
0: misunderstanding. He's
1: a cool guy. Yeah. Um, you know what? He actually had a picnic basket for me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he's a nice guy. Salmon sandwiches, they were great. So he, the first responder <laughs> say Leon Hart walked out, was not bleeding, and had no visible injuries. Mm-hmm. Deputy say Leon allegedly told him that he was just in- extremely intoxicated and apologized for wasting everyone's time. Oh my God. But that, but that he did need to get out of the woods. <laughs> I bet. I bet. He's being he was arrested and charged with falsely reporting an emergency incident. Damn, but See, I just, you like, could I have just said, just
0: said that you were you were lost, man.
1: Oh, yeah, just I guess you're very if you're very drunk, you're very you think that maybe that oh they're not gonna believe me if I'm just lost. They're not gonna send anybody. I need to get out now. And if well, they think there's bears, they'll send the army, the national Maybe Guard.
0: Maybe that's what it was, you know. Maybe he was freaking out because he was like I can't spend another minute in here like I got to get out of here. I don't know where I am. You know, I'm I'm hearing animals around me. Maybe he was just freaking out. And yeah. was like, I need to get, like you say, I need to get out of these woods now. So I need to make a more pressing situation so they won't take their time and just send, you know, a search party of five or six people out looking for me.
1: Or tell like, me just to sleep it off in the morning and they'll come find me. Yeah,
0: exactly. They're like, no, I, I'm not spending the night out here. I need to go home
1: now. So I need to make an emergency. And I think that's what he did. But, dude, you just put a target on your back. That's right. So many bear lawyers so many, right now. Dude, dude. There is going to be bear lawyers lining up to sue you for this libel, mm-hmm. this slander. You have got yourself a lawsuit, man. Friend. You do.
0: They're going to slap the
1: shit out of you. They are going to claw at you. <laughs> they are going to get all of your honey. There's not going to be an ounce all of honey of left. All They're of it. They're coming for all the honey. That's right. Like I said, guys, I just wanted oh to like lift, I wanted to lift you up with a little bit more bear humor and a little bit more bear crime because I there's do love bear some lawyers. Bear crime. These bear lawyers, they got a lo- they got a whole lot coming towards them, guys. They. <laughs>
0: They got a lot to deal with man they got enough to deal with already right Saul Goodbear,
1: cocaine bear keeps them busy alone i want to see Saul good bear saw good <laughs> paul Goodbear. i love
0: i love saw good man yeah right it but he all smell with paul
1: got a nice little bear suit just smells oh, fresh definitely got a bear suit mm-hmm. oh yeah. Yeah. yeah nice little briefcase <laughs> nice brown with an off-white shirt that'd be nice <laughs> you're just an <laughs> elegant bear aren't you
0: <laughs> All right, he's probably got some nice smelling Oh My Gaia in
1: his pits. Oh, yes. You know?
0: He's just wooing those people in the court system.
1: Like I said, you thought it was the briefcase? Oh, yeah. no, it's him. Oh, he it's smells like that. that much leather.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I need to contact Wendy at Oh My Gaia see if we can get a bear scent. <laughs> <laughs> get a bear scent. That's, that's what we need. Uh, If you guys don't know what we're talking about, Oh My Gaia is an an innovative all-natural deodorant fragrance and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while still maintaining effectiveness. And like I said at Oh My Gaia, they use only all-natural paraben and aluminum-free organic ingredients, guys. And there's tons of scents to choose from. Unfortunately, Bear is not one of them yet, but there's some really close ones. I mean,
1: Uh, it depends on what Bears uh, smell like. I really don't know. That's true. I've got Uh, some friends who would probably give me various answers on that one, so.
0: (laughs) Depending on the season, (laughs) cherry almond, a bear could smell like some Depending on which club you're in. Yeah, maybe some, uh, what do we got, Lumberjack? That'd probably be a good Bear scent. Possibly. I I think that would be pretty fitting. And also, True Crime Pine. True Crime Pine here, made for True Crime guys, would be a great place to start if you don't know what scent. There's also vanilla, uh, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, Egyptian musk, coconut, dreamsicle, leather, honeysuckle, fireside, bergamot, amber, pear, sweet pea, sailor, and barbershop. Just to name a few, there's there was plenty. Pear.
1: It was with that was pear. That was pear,
0: not bear. Um, and because you're True Crime Guys listeners, you can use the word creeper for 15% off your order at shop underscore oh my gaia on Instagram or omigaya.com oh That's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com. Guys, if you're looking for a all-natural deodorant, scented oil, or beard oil, please consider giving Oh My Gaia a try. They have been with us for years. They gave us a shot and sponsored our podcast back when... We were doing it for gas money. So they've been around for a long time. They're a great company. They will do you right. Give them a shot. Ohmygaia.com. Check. There's a link in the description. Again, code word creeper for 15% off. One, five, 15%. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Guys, also, please, if you have time, check out patreon.com slash guys, a link right below the description as well, where for just 2 bucks a month, you can get access to all of our Patreon exclusives, which includes Eldon the Zombie Killer that we recorded last week, and then at $5 a month, from the $5 tier, you can get access to everything we've ever created, including Sandu stories, all the Just the Banters, uh, Strange Shorts, Higher Thoughts, Everything like that, guys. Fi- Lauren's five minute murder series is still available on our Patreon. So if you're missing Lauren, all those five minute murders with video are on the Patreon in a collection all by themselves. They are- you go on the yes, in yes, the collections, in the collections man. The collections yes. are amazing. You click on Patreon on the home page, and instead of clicking post, click collections, and you can go through and then you can listen to all of one type of audio. Right? You can listen to all the five minute murders, or you can listen to all the TCG Patreon exclusives, mm-hmm. um, dating way back to when we first started. I think the first Patreon exclusive was John Wayne Gacy. That is way back there. And we just did number 73, Eldon the Zombie Killer, which was as crazy as any of them get. Um, And again, guys, if you're listening in podcast form and you haven't checked us out on YouTube, please do that. If you are listening on YouTube or watching, please hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell. And we'll see you guys next week. Don't forget to follow us on social media at True Crime Guys, wherever you are. And, uh, yeah, hit us up if you have case suggestions, truecrimeguys at gmail.com or on social media. Or leave a comment on a YouTube post or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. We are responding
1: right. as much as we can on those things, guys. So, Absolutely. Yeah, please leave, leave comments, likes, shares, whatever you can.
0: Absolutely. All right. I think that's pretty much it, Andy. You got anything else? I got nothing for you, Michael. All right, guys. Well, we'll see you next week uh, for some cult shit. All right. Until then, keep creeping. Bye!